Fest will be back this year for the first time since pre-COVID. It'll be at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center here downtown on January 6th. And I offer this reminder only in the hopes that someone, anyone, can figure out what could conceivably be getting celebrated there. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll check out. The Pirates acquired some outfielder, uh, Billy McKinney, who's 29 years old and can't hit. And that's the way this offseason has gone on those rare days when someone's actually acquired. I'm going to keep saying this, but I understand that there's plenty of time between now and when pitchers and catchers are summoned in mid-February. But there isn't plenty of time when it comes to getting exactly the type of players that you, the Pirates, told people you'd be getting. If anything, across the board, each individual, and there have been very few, player who's been acquired has been something less, meaning both in terms of performance and in cost, than what was acquired last offseason, when there was actually at least a little bit of excitement. You don't do this for the excitement. You do this to, you know, have a better baseball team. The Pirates don't do either. But now, rather than doing more, they're very clearly doing less. Look at it this way. A year ago, they pick up Andrew McCutcheon. Nice. Nothing's going to top that this year. Purely on the emotional level. It's great. The fact that Kutch came in and played really well, even greater. Wonderful stuff. Okay? So set that off to the side and let's not compare Kutch to say, oh, I don't know, Billy McKinney. But what about first base? Carlos Santana was the acquisition last year. I wouldn't describe people here as being through the roof excited over adding him, but he was a real live player with a real live track record. And by the way, he came here and delivered both on and off the field. He made $6.9 million on a one-year contract on top of that. Rowdy Telez is coming in here with far inferior numbers, and he's being paid less than half what Santana got. He'll also probably require some kind of platoon, whereas Santana is a switch hitter. Pitching, similarly, it didn't exactly floor anybody who the Pirates added in free agency, but they did spend $8 million on Rich Hill, and they spent another handful on Vince Velasquez. And Velasquez obviously got hurt, but they looked like they were going to be part of the solution to some extent. Velasquez was actually pitching pretty well before he got hurt. And this year, they've they've done next to nothing. Marco Gonzalez is coming here on basically a, a desperation reclamation something something project, trying to come back from an injury that very few major league pitchers come back from. 
And all that's happened to the rotation otherwise is that they lost Johan Oviedo because they forgot how to count innings and allowed him to double his previous career high. And oh, by the way, had him pitching in Philadelphia in the final week of the regular season because that's okay. And even this front office's grossest apologists can't come up with a defense for that. In parentheses, unlike the Andy Rodriguez thing, which I'll be getting to in the J1Q segment. End parentheses. So what do they have? The Pirates have actually lost more players this offseason than they've acquired. They've actually cut payroll rather than adding to it. So, so far, all we've gotten, and it's almost Christmas, you know, are multiple backward steps even as you're looking around and seeing potential fits, reasonable cost-effective potential fits coming off the board to teams that don't have any more to spend than you do. That's that's what we've witnessed to date. When Jack Flaherty's going to the Tigers on a one-year deal for $14 million, that's when you know that it's okay to begin participating in the process. Flaherty's not you know, some superstar. But he's 28 years old. He's coming off a season in which, yeah, he had the 5.09 ERA, but he also got you 148 strikeouts, which means that his arm was live and healthy. And he was going to be, by all accounts, someone you could depend on for a full slate of starts or something close to a full slate of starts. That comes with its own value. And that costs pretty much what Detroit paid. The Pirates aren't in this to pay market rates. Not not anything exorbitant, just market rates. The Pirates can't be sending that signal any louder or clearer than they already have. They're not even trying to do, I think, anything more than what they did last year, and they might be trying to do less. So, If that were to persist, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure, I think, anyway, they're going to sign somebody of some pedigree to start. It can't just be throwing a bunch of garbage up against the wall. But presuming that all of this stays at right around this range between now and mid-February, then what they're tacitly saying, as opposed to what they're actually saying, is that they feel they can fix They're younger pitchers, or they feel they can get some kind of regular play out of Josh Palacios, say, in right field, or that they can get effective platooning at first base between Telez and Connor Joe. None of which matches Ben Charrington telling everybody entering this offseason that they're expecting some big leap in the standings and a big leap in commitment and focus toward this coming year, that 84 wins wouldn't be enough for them, as if this is a franchise that can ever take 82 for granted. And then you've got Pirates Fest coming up and these guys have to face the fans and and tell them what? It's still coming? How, how long do you think you can pull the wool over everyone's eyes? When we come back, J1Q. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike. Your computer. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q uh, takes on the same topic that almost all of our J1Q entries did over these past 24 hours, and that's because not everybody really appreciated the angle that I took on the Andy Rodriguez situation, suggesting that he never should have been in winter ball. The question that Robert puts forth is, why allow winter ball to help younger guys get more experience? That's why. They've been doing it for eons. Roberto Clemente, Al Oliver, Rennie Stennett did it. That injury that happened to Andy Rodriguez was more than likely going to happen to him anyway. If the UCL was that weak, it was going to tear sometime this season more than likely. And yes, I have a little background to know. Studied athletic training in college until I ran out of money. Appreciate the candor there and the question, Robert. Most of the arguments that came back in this direction were that they've been doing this forever. Why bring it up now? And moreover, that a lot of teams are still doing it. Almost all teams will allow their players to participate in winter ball. And the specific example that was cited most often is that the Braves are allowing Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, the reigning National League MVP to play there. And all of that's accurate. And I have three responses to it. Number one, I don't care what the Braves do. I don't care what other teams do. I never see that as a sound argument on pretty much any front. When you're talking about a team like the Pirates, that's going to have the lower revenues that's already playing in an inequitable system, you can't pretend that it's a fair game. It's not. You have to be outthinking teams. You have to be smarter than other teams. Not as smart, but smarter. How do you think the Rays pull off being the Rays year after year? Because they've got the smart people. Number two, I don't care that Acuna, or anyone from the Rays, for that matter, would be participating in winter ball because... The point that I was making yesterday regarding Andy was that Andy's not healthy. Andy was not in a 100% type situation where you would want the athlete to be to go ahead and participate in stuff like that. Andy, for anybody who missed yesterday's show, was shut down in the minor leagues this calendar year because of elbow trouble. And at the time... There was a genuine fear within the organization that he wasn't going to be okay. 
So to go from that to having him be cleared, obviously, to play in the majors, to have him not be all that great in the majors, to have the regular season end, his first regular season at this level, and then say, you know what, kid, go right ahead and play. Please don't compare that to Acuna going down there completely healthy or anybody else going down there completely healthy. It's not the same. It's not the same. Number three, and finally, for anybody who brought up things like, well, are you okay then with NHL players going to the Olympics in the middle of the season or hockey players participating in summer leagues as they prepare for training camp and so forth? And my answer to that is that, first of all, the summer leagues don't even come close to comparing to what Dominican winter ball is. Dominican winter ball to them down there is the major leagues. Every game is played as if it really means something. There's no daylight for these guys between those games and the ones that they play up here. Whereas summer league hockey, a couple people mentioned uh, Jake Gensel of the Penguins participating in a thing called the beauty league up in Minnesota. It's like an all skate. There's nothing to it. Minimal contact, slow pace. You need to see some of the highlights of this stuff. All they're doing is stretching their legs out. And as for the NHL and the Olympics, I'll say the same thing about that as I've said about Major League Baseball and the Olympics, which is something that I really hope gets a reunion someday, whether that's in the summer games or the winter games has been discussed. Now, I would really hope that I wouldn't have to explain the difference between Dominican Winter Ball and the bleeping Olympics, but here I go, because the Olympics are only the world's greatest sporting spectacle. I've covered five of them. I've never covered anything even close in significance. The entire planet, all seven billion people are watching, and you're playing for your country. That is not the same thing as Dominican Winter Ball. If you're going to take a gamble, you're going to take it on something of that scale. Bottom line, repeating, Andy had an elbow issue that shut him down in the calendar year 2023. Neither the Pirates nor Andy had a damn thing to gain from him testing that or stretching it out even further. The notion that the UCL was just going to magically tear itself at some point isn't accurate, and all you need to know to that end is that the Pirates themselves saw enough healing with the initial shutdown that they allowed him to resume playing. He needed some time, he needed some rest, he needed to stop throwing and hitting baseballs for a few months. He did not need to go to the Dominican. I don't care what the Braves say about that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one Monday. 